0: It was so nice being with them because we were with them when they broke yes. to be the biggest band in the world. When they found out they'd gone number one in the UK and number one in the States, you know, we were actually sharing the excitement with them. This is no word of a lie. We spent the whole day <laughs> oh, my word. trying to get this bloody shaker in time. And the thing is, at that time we were paying £1,500 a day. So that bloody shaker on Hot Wired, <laughs> cost
1: 1500 quid hello and welcome to episode 64 of vintage rock pod the ultimate classic rock podcast that proudly claims that my music is better than yours i'm paul stevenson thanks as always for hitting play Now, today's guest is a drummer with a band that started way back in 1984. They rode at the forefront of the AOR, melodic hard rock wave of the 80s here in the UK, and toured with some of the biggest acts on the planet, from Meatloaf, to Whitesnake, to Foreigner, to Tina Turner, to Status Quo, to Gary Moore. They literally were rubbing shoulders with the very best. They toured prolifically back in the day, and after a 12-year hiatus in the late 90s, mid-noughties, they came back and have worked just as hard since then. If you're a concert-goer and you've been to one of these big shows in the last, what, 20 years or so, you've definitely seen them live in concert. They even played up here in the Highlands of Scotland last year. I am talking about the band FM, or FM UK, as they're known in North America, and my guest today is the long-standing Pete Jupp. Now, before we hear from him though, a few shout outs this week. Firstly, to the organizers of Rock and Pod 2023 in Nashville. It's a convention featuring rock stars and podcasters, panel discussions, live performances, and more. Anyway, they gave Vintage Rock Pod a shout-out on social media channels this week, which was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. You can learn more about and Pod 2023 in Nashville by visiting Rock Pod. That's an N. Come, i would love to be there i wonder if i could wangle a trip anyway the uh, daily this day rocks episodes have been getting a great reception as well download numbers are up right across the board through the roof feedback has been really really positive so thank you to everyone for embracing it it makes the hard work of pulling together a daily show with different guests each day definitely worthwhile if you've not given it a try yet definitely do just dip your toe in they're only five minutes long and it brings you something new each and every day One of the uh, recent episodes I did featured Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast. It's a KISS fans podcast, also on the Pantheon Podcast Network. We talked on the day about the KISS feature-length video, KISS Exposed, which was released on this day, back in time. Now, it got a lot of attention, so many people sharing their memories of that video, so thank you so much. And also, this is my first episode recording, since I saw the fantastic concert in Glasgow of Whitesnake, foreigner and Europe. It was a great show, even if David Coverdale's voice is not quite what it was he is in his 70s so we're going to let him off but they uh, they all put on a great show Whitesnake played all the big hits as you'd hope they would Foreigner 2 they were fantastic I know they get kind of referred to as a tribute act these days seeing as though there's no original members but their performance was incredibly tight it was really good and it was nice to see Mick Jones join the rest of the band on stage as well for the last few songs he is looking very frail now though so I wish him all the health in the world and uh, and let's not forget Europe as well they opened the show and I've got to say Joey Temper. Pest's voice is still absolutely bang on. They put on a great show. His windpipes are incredible. He was all over the stage and they rocked the place. I mean, they rocked the night, shall we say. John's guitar still shredding as well. It was a fantastic show all in all. If you've managed to catch the White Snake Foreigner and Europe tour across the UK, then you will have seen a brilliant, brilliant night of music. I think White Snake are going to be touring the US. They're going to be supporting Scorpions. So that's fantastic. Definitely do check out those brilliant bands. And speaking of fantastic shows, I've been working closely with Tenacity PR, who are involved in the Great British Rhythm and Blues Festival. Rock, roots and folk taking place this August bank holiday weekend here in the UK, Friday 26th to Sunday the 28th, and it's got a great lineup of acts. Last week's big interview show, episode 63, featured one of those playing a legend, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer John Steele from The Animals. Please do go back and listen to that if you haven't done so so far. A few people we've already interviewed here on the show as well. Including 10 years after drummer Rick Lee, his band is going to be there. I recently interviewed Ray Laidlaw, the former Lindisfarne drummer from the Glory Days. The current Lindisfarne lineup are going to be there as well, along with Atomic Rooster, with Pete French, who was involved in Cactus. You've got Dr. Feelgood, Gino Washington, and a host of other great acts, including my guest today, Pete Jupp, and his band FM. Now, for more details, check out ColnBluesLineup.com or just search for Great British Rhythm and Blues. So, for today's interview then, with Pete Jupp, we talk about some of the crazy times the band spent recording, some of the moments on the road, the band's new album and tour, and about, well, a celebrity fan, shall we call it, a very famous adult male film star who's a big, big fan of the band. Plenty for you to dive into, so please enjoy this chat with Pete Jupp from FN. The Great British Rhythm and Blues Festival: Roots, Rock and Folk. Now, there's yourselves, FM, obviously. Uh, Animals and Friends with John Steele, the original member. You've got uh, Rick Lee from Ten Years After, another former guest on the show. There's the likes of Atomic Rooster and Gino Washington and Linda's and Doctor Feel Good. You guys are on on the Saturday night, but it's it's a fantastic lineup of acts, isn't it?
0: It really is. Yeah, yeah. We're in some we're in some good company, you know. Very good indeed. So we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. So I think we have to start uh, start paying council tax up in Scotland soon. We've been up there, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we are. We're looking for it. It's just nice to be back playing again. That that's the main thing, you know. It was just being employed, you know, again yes. um, is good. We're, we're very lucky, you know. That's all I can say. And uh, thanks to everyone who's been coming to the shows and everything, you know, we, we re- really do appreciate it. Definitely,
1: yeah. definitely. And we had a quick chat off air. You, you guys have, you, you literally do tour the whole of the UK because I live in the Highlands of Scotland, as my listeners know. And you guys have been up here a number of times. I think it was last November the last time you were up for the Monster Fest, headlining with uh, yeah. Marco yeah. Mendoza and Wild Hearts and all these yeah. sorts of big acts as well. Yeah,
0: yeah we did that, and then I say we we're in Glasgow last weekend. Um, you know, we try, we try and cover as much of, of the UK as we possibly can. You know, it's, um, but sometimes it's hard to get into some yeah, places, but we, we do try, you know, or we're very trying put it that way. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, we, we you know, we try and keep everyone happy, but it's hard to sometimes, you know, yeah. but, uh, so, yes, but we'll be there. So looking forward to it. Now,
1: I'm guessing yeah. you're going to be playing some of the songs from your new album, which has just come out. It's your 13th album. It's uh, it's called 13, clever name. Um, Whoa, <laughs> you've no done a few shows, as, as, as you've said, you were Glasgow not too long ago. Um, how are the new songs going down?
0: Yeah, they've, they've been very well received. We've actually, we're doing three songs off the off the new album, Okay. Um, which is a lot for us, Uh it's tough because you know if if i go and see one of my favorite bands i want to hear all the you know the hits so to speak or the popular songs. so i don't think it's right just putting in loads of new stuff but like i say we've actually put three songs off the album into this set for the first time we're playing crack alley off of uh, taking it to the streets but the actual set list has been really well received by everybody like like even comments you know so uh hopefully we're doing something right. But you can never please everybody. You know, it's <laughs> impossible. You, know.
1: you can only try your best. And talking about well-received, yes, exactly. the album 13 itself, that has been well-received by critics and the likes and a lot of uh, really kind reviews, really good reviews as well. I mean, yeah, that must feel yeah. nice so long into your career.
0: It's it's great um, because this album was kind of recorded in lockdown. You know, we were doing a lot of it remotely, each of us being at home. And then when restrictions would lift, we'd all get together. Then it'll come in again, so it'll all go, you know. Um, so it's the first album we've done like this, and it looks like we didn't completely blow it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's good. No, the, the reaction has been very, very good. So we're very, very pleased, because we never know. We always make try and make the best album we possibly can, Obviously. But you never know until you put it out to the public how it's going to be received. But uh, thankfully, we got away with it again this Indeed. time, you know.
1: And even a global so. pandemic couldn't stop the, the schedule of releasing albums. Cause it's pretty much every two years at the moment, isn't it? You've been doing it for the last, well, three or four yeah. albums.
0: Yeah, well, we probably haven't got that much longer left in us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't be hanging around, you know. So uh, <laughs> um, like I say, we're, en- we're enjoying it. That's the main thing. And we also feel really blessed that we're able to do it. That's one of the things, you know, I remember when we split up in 94, 95, whenever it was, I just thought, oh, well, I've had a great time and that'll be it sort of thing. And then when we got back together in 2006, 2007, whenever that was, I can't remember. <laughs> um, it was like, wow, I've got another chance here kind of thing. And I remember we were playing with, um, we were in Dublin. With foreigner and journey, and I just remember standing on the stage with these two amazing acts, thinking, <laughs> "Wow,
1: wow, indeed, I
0: really, I really am a lucky, lucky man, you know, and I really do appreciate it, you know." So, <laughs> yeah, we we all appreciate it, and we just appreciate everyone coming out supporting us. Spending the hard-earned cash on, you know, albums, tickets, or merchandise. You know, we really, we don't take it for granted. Put it that way.
1: Indeed, indeed. Lucky boy, as you said. Now let's go back to, to pretty much the beginning then, because you, you were in Samson, weren't you? Yourself and Merv, and that was a, yeah. a harder rocking group, wasn't it? So tell us how yeah. that, how that led to you joining up with Steve and that and the company to to form FM, which is obviously a more AOR sort of uh, orientated band.
0: Yeah, we were um, we were coming back from Ireland on the ferry. And it was a really rough crossing and me and Merv were just chatting. Merv was just saying, oh, you know, I really fancy doing something a bit more melodic kind of thing. And we, when we got back to the UK, we got together in a rehearsal room. It was me, Merv. We had, funny enough, we had Andy Barnett, mm-hmm. who, who was a member of FM, yep. you know, in the, in the early 90s. And we had various singers Kind of thing, and it just kind of fell fell apart. Andy went off and joined Corey Hart. Um, we couldn't really find a singer that we liked, and I was just sat thinking one day, and I suddenly thought, oh, right, we need a singer and guitarist. I thought, ah, Steve Overland and Chris Overland, <laughs> and so I gave gave Steve a ring, and um, he said, yeah, let's let's get together, and we we demoed four songs, and just saying well let's see what happens if we can get signed then great if not then we'll we you know won't take it any further but we were lucky we got signed to portrait and the rest is kind of history really you know there's been a few changes here and there but mm. uh, we're still there
1: absolutely um, and then the first album came along in discreet and it's one of those albums that still held up today it's still fondly remembered isn't it but uh, it's it's one of those that you guys actually produced that album yourselves didn't you i mean tell us the story behind that
0: it was yeah it was probably we we didn't want to actually produce ourselves Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest um but our manager at the time Dave, he had he'd engineered all the demos that we did and i kind of think um, this doesn't sound this sounds a bit worse than it actually is i think his ego got in the way of us getting a producer he wanted to do it with us and so he was he was like our go between between us and cbs and he said no no cbs love the demos they want you to produce it um so our thing was okay we'll produce it but we want someone to mix it kind of thing so yeah we went away we started off in in ibiza like you do you know
1: (laughs) oh hard life (laughs) record
0: it was terrible (laughs) to record the drums, and then we came back to various studios over here um then when he got to the mixing stage again he said no cbs want us to do it and we're like are you sure and he said no that's what they've said he probably didn't ask them you know to be (laughs) honest so you know we had no idea what we were doing really you know i remember we were in um we we're in Comfort's place studio in in England, and Merv said he wanted like a shaker, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: sort of thing, panning between the speakers, sort of thing, which shouldn't be that difficult to do. <laughs> this is no word of a lie. We spent the whole day, oh my word. trying to get this bloody shaker in time. And the thing is, at that time, we were paying fifteen hundred pound a day.
1: Whoa, well, see,
0: so that bloody shaker. On Hot Wired <laughs> cost fifteen hundred quid, and there was a guy there who was like the tape assistant, and his name's Pete Woodruff, and he went on to um, work with Def Leppard, and he was probably sat there thinking, "What a bunch <laughs> of clowns!" You know, <laughs> and we were, you know. <laughs> He's probably thinking, "I could do that in about a minute." <laughs> I'm just sat here making tea, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. if you listen to Hot Wired, you'll hear a shaker.
1: It costs fifteen hundred pound to record, yeah. Yeah, very
0: expensive. Yeah,
1: <laughs> incredible when you think about what what you can do now. And you talked about the last oh. your recent album, there all made kind of remotely and things like that. And you can do yeah. things with pro tools in seconds. So spending fifteen hundred pound yeah. for for a day's recording is is staggering.
0: It's, I know. It, it, but that was that was just the going rate at the time for a residential studio. You know, um, um, I mean that you know that meant you. Your, your accommodation and food and mm-hmm. everything but yeah that was that was the game right you know, madness, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it you certainly know, is. It certainly
0: I doubt is. our last five albums would cost fifteen hundred quid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you did in that mixing studio with that, that day long of the shaker, obviously works yeah. because, uh, as we said, the the album is still very, very fondly remembered. And and mm. it managed to get you on some big tours, didn't it, that year with the likes of Tina Turner and, and you mentioned Foreigner recently as well. But um, yeah. Status Quo and Magnum and Ario Speedwagon. But talk to me about um, Bon Jovi because you managed to get on their uh, UK leg of their Slippery Slippery When Wet Tour. I mean, how was
0: that? Uh, Amazing. Absolutely (laughs) brilliant. It was so nice being with them because we were with them when they broke to be the biggest band in the world. You know, we were actually sharing the excitement with them. I remember we were, um, I think we were in uh, Newcastle City Hall when they found out they'd gone number one in the UK and number one in the States. And it was just nice being around them, you know, because they, you know, they'd slogged around. It it didn't happen overnight for them. They were a great bunch of guys, couldn't do enough for us. And the tour took us up a level, definitely. And so, no, it, it was fantastic.
1: Sounds it sounds absolutely phenomenal. Now, the the next album, Tough It Out, was your follow up, and uh, another yeah. one that's it's fondly remembered and thought of. But you have an interesting celebrity fan, shall we say, who, who told you that the title track of that got him through some difficult times oh, in prison. Yeah. Go on, tell yeah. us that story, Pete. that will be Ben, <laughs> Ben Dover, Ben Dover, yeah. indeed. Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like Ben's
0: a drummer, and all right, okay, he is, <laughs> amongst other things, yeah. <laughs> um. And he's a big FM fan. And oh, wow. the he he came to a show and uh, and he came up to me and he said, Oh, Pete, I'm such a massive fan of yours. And I said, Oh, Ben, I'm such a massive fan of yours, <laughs> you know.
1: Um,
0: but he was telling me when when he got when he got banged up for for whatever, um, he Could was oh, I'll tell you, Pete. <laughs> yeah, he um he said to that song, tough out that got me through some dark times listening to that. And I'm like, Oh, you know, fair enough. So, uh, yeah. So never see. Well, the thing is when he comes to our shows now, he signs more autographs than we do, <laughs>
1: you know,
0: <laughs> but he's, he seems like a really, he's a good drummer, wow. you know, and, uh, and he's, he's probably more into the drums than the other stuff, but uh, probably gets paid more for the other stuff.
1: <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, so he's a good bloke. He's a really good bloke.
1: Oh, Fascinating to hear. Do you get many things yeah. like that, many, many stories from, from not just famous people, but from, from fans saying that your music gets them through certain times and periods and means a lot to them?
0: Yeah, funny enough, I was talking to a friend today about it. Um, back in the day before the internet, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to have a fan club, and it was just like right to a PO box. Yeah. We had the it was the FM International Fan Club, and I remember getting this letter from this guy, um, and he bought tickets for, for the Astoria in London, and he said, um, "Yeah, I bought the tickets, and then a week before uh, the show, my, my father passed away, and he said it was like you know one of the lowest points of my life. Um, he wasn't sure what he should do." but he came along to the show and he said for the hour and a half that we were playing, he forgot
1: mm-hmm.
0: all the, you know, all the bad stuff. And I thought, well, you can't really get much better than that really. Can you, you know, if if we can take his mind off of something that serious sort of thing, you know, it was obviously still there, but he said yeah, for that yeah. hour and a half, it, you know, really helped him. So yeah, that'll do for me, you know, definitely.
1: It's the power of music, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, you talk about yes, low points. Exactly. I've, I've, I've yeah. heard you say before that the, one of the low points of your career was, was around the, the Dead Man's Shoes album and the recording and the slog and everything like that to, to pull it together. And yeah. that was the beginning of the end for the band. I mean, w- what was going on at that point?
0: It was it was just so hard. I mean, the, the grunge thing was coming through, yeah. you know, um, and we just became the most unfashionable band in the world <laughs> overnight. Near, you know, like Melody was was like a dirty word yeah you know um so you know we didn't fall out we didn't hate each other it just got to a point where it's too hard this and you know the career was sort of going downwards rather than upwards or even just you know flatline and it was going down and so we just thought right let's let's just knock it on the head and so we did, like I said, but we always stayed friends, Yeah. you know, there weren't any animosity or anything, you know, it was just like, it was just impossible. It's, we recorded Dead Man's Shoes in a, in like a social club in okay. Slough, you know, and we were borrowing gear to record it, like Pat Cash, the tennis player, lent us this thing to record it on, you know, it's before computers, kind of, it was between computers and sort of the old analog studios, you know, he had this thing called an ADAT. And um, so we borrowed that and it was, it was really hard work. It really was. It really was. And so we thought we can't be doing that again. It's too much, you know? So, uh, but then luckily we, we did reform.
1: Certainly did. A couple of questions there though. I mean, (laughs) Pat Cash, I mean, what's the link to the band? And um, the second question linked to that is why, why, why does he have recording stuff? Is he, was he into the music side of things? um,
0: Pat, um pat was pat was a friend of andy okay uh andy barnett yep. um but he became a friend of the band and he was always into playing guitar um and we actually went out and did some shows it was uh pat cash and the full metal racket <laughs> kind of thing we were just playing covers like acdc and stuff oh, like really? that and we did we did like half a dozen shows um yeah and he just bought some recording stuff you know, just for, just for home use. And so, uh, he lent it to us basically. He used to record onto a, onto a VHS cassette okay. sort of thing, you know? So, uh, yeah. So good old Pat. <laughs>
1: good old Pat, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and as you said, you remained friends. You got back together for a big festival, 2006, six seven, as you said earlier on. Yeah. Um, was it a pretty easy decision to say, come on, let's, let's do this again properly. Shall we guys?
0: Well, Kieran Dargan, who organised the Firefest, he he'd been asking us probably from a year after we split up, okay. kind of thing. Oh, come and do the Firefest! Come, we were like, no, 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 no. And then just one year, um, which was probably two thousand and five. If it was, if we did the show in two thousand and six, um, he spoke to Merv, and Merv just rang everybody up, and it just it was just like well, it's probably going to be now or never. If we don't do it now, then we probably never will. And so we um yeah we got back together had a few rehearsals um and the deal was we weren't allowed to do a warm-up show we just had to do the yeah. fire fest which was a bit daunting so we hadn't played for 12 years <laughs>
1: um
0: and we were just literally this is no word of a lie our plan was do the show try not to embarrass ourselves and we were thinking wow well you know if a couple of hundred people turn up it'll be great we'll have a few drinks and then we'll just go our separate ways again, you know? Um, But the, we sold out Nottingham Rock City, 1500 people. And I'm not blowing like our trumpet, but it was like a religious experience. It was like the Beatles had reformed or something. And it was like, I mean, we came off stage shell-shocked. I hope this doesn't sound too corny, but you could feel the love from the audience coming to you. And so he came off stage and it was like, bloody hell, um, I suppose we better do an album. <laughs> and it was like, well, well, OK, then how do we do that? And, and it's just gone on from there. And here we are today,
1: and you here know. We are today.
0: So, uh, yeah, good old Kieran. That's all I can say, yeah. you know.
1: Thank you very much, Kieran. Now, uh, as you said, exactly. uh, that's where we are today, and we talk about being on stage and things. You've got a a, a busy few months ahead of you. We've mentioned the the uh, the R and B festival, the Great British R and B festival yep. that you're going to be uh, headlining, and then you've got a UK tour that you're in the middle of, and you're going to Europe as well. So plenty to, plenty on your plate.
0: Yes, yes, we got the joys of Brexit to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to deal with, <laughs> you know. But we'll get there. You know, cost loads more money to do anything, but there we are. Good, good idea, but you know, <laughs> great, great plan. No, we won't, we won't get political. Um, yeah, no, we're going over to Europe, and I'm, we're really looking forward to it. I think we leave the UK about the ninth, 9th of May, and we do Germany, Holland, Switzerland, Italy, France, and Spain. So, uh, be very nice, you know.
1: Absolutely, so absolutely. We're all Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Pete, and uh, best of luck with the tour. I'm sure it's all going to go fantastically well, and we look forward to to seeing you, especially at the the Great British R&B Festival.
0: Well, I'll see you there then. (laughs) All right, (laughs) mate, take care.
1: The brilliant Pete Jupp there. Right now, it's the time of the show for the top fives. And of course, this week, I'm going to give you my favourite five songs from FM. But first, some of your comments from last week's top five songs from The Animals. I think it's pretty hard to disagree with The House of the Rising Sun being number one. It's such a classic. Although Kevin Barthiomi, I think his name is, apologies if I've got that wrong, said he'd have We Gotta Get Out of This Place as his number one. And he threw a new song into the mix for his top five of When I Was Young. Alan Lowell said uh, Don't Bring Me Down should have been in the top five. Good song as well, of course. Uh, Plenty of people showing their love for the band too, including Gary Richardson, Thomas Delaney and Franco Arlem. Athol Manson pointed out the Bon Jovi Unplugged sets, which featured an Animals medley of It's My Life and We Gotta Get Out of This Place. And Bill McHugh pointing out a 1977 Spanish flair version of Please Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by Santa Esmeralda. Thank you to everyone who was in touch this week. So to FM then. Remember, this is my personal choice of my favourite five songs. It is highly subjective. I don't expect you to agree. In fact, I'd love to hear how you disagree. So please do reach out with your own top fives this week too. So here we go. My top five favourite FM songs according to Vintage Rock At 5 is a track from their third studio album, Taking It to the Streets. It has such a strong vibe to it, it's got a great beat and one they still play live today. At 5 is Crack Alley. At four is from their debut album, Indiscreet. It was the best track on the album for me, covered by Iron Maiden as a B-side to one of their single releases too. At four is That Girl. Number three is the opening track from their fourth studio album, Aphrodisiac. I love how it builds from a, a sparse, spatial opening into a big, beefy, meaty riff that rolls on with a suitably big chorus too. And number three is Breathe Fire. Breathe. At number two is a song from their second album. It's everything that's great about the band and that hard rock radio friendly sound. The chorus is massive and one that requires sing-along participation. At number two is bad luck. And at number one is another from their second album, the title track, in fact. For me, it's the band at its best. It marked a slightly harder sound to the more polished earlier finish on the first album. The number one FM song, according to Vintage Rock Pod, is Tough It Out. Tough it out. So there you go, my top five songs from FM or FM UK if you're in North America. As I said, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this list. Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? Let me know. You can email me vintage at gmail.com or you can catch me on any of the social media platforms. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the likes. YouTube as well gives a like, a follow, a subscribe, whatever it is. It's all free. It would be most appreciated. Now, well, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on so that you don't miss any any more future episodes. I can tell you, next week's show features another Rock and Roll Hall of Famer who is inducted alongside Neil Young and Stephen Stills. It's an episode not to miss. And also, don't forget the new daily This Day Rocks episodes, which head your way every single day. have been met with a great reception, so thank you to everyone who's reached out these last few weeks about those new shows. Well, that's it for me then. Remember, if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock, just tell them, my music is better than yours. Take care.